Welcome back, everyone, to the Xamarin Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest and greatest in mobile development for Xamarin developers, covering the world of Xamarin, .NET, Azure, and more. I'm Matt Sokup. I'm James Montemagno, and we have a very special new recurring guest, David Now, David, how's it going? It's going well, James. Thank you very much. How are you? Doing lovely. Just another beautiful day in the Pacific Northwest. No complaints here. Well, the reason we wanted to bring you on, David, is because we thought, you know, hey, it's already March. Um, we've started to get previews of .NET 6. And with that, there have been some awesome updates on the Xamarin community stand-up about .NET MAUI. And we figured, hey, why don't we just bring you on every single month to give us an update on what's going on, on the team? I know everything's open source, David. I know people can look. But, you know, on this podcast, we like to break it down for people, all the important things they want to do. But how does that sound? That sounds great. And I think, uh, you know, with as fast as things are moving um, and as much as is changing, it probably makes a whole lot of sense to be able to just talk through things. Um, we have the, you know, the live community standups that we do on YouTube and, and Twitch, and we give some updates there, but things change rapidly. So even between then and now. Um, so you ready? I can go ahead and give you kind of the breakdown. I'm ready. Yeah. I mean, I know we have in our show notes here that, you know, .NET 6 Preview 1 came out. Did that mean anything for .NET MAUI or Xamarin developers at all? It did. And it's uh, it's the foundational work of bringing Android and iOS into .NET 6. So uh, that means that we're sharing the same base class libraries as everything else that runs in .NET 6. Um, so you have a very consistent API surface for all of your, your code. Um, and it means that we also have the latest runtimes for uh, both desktop and mobile, but specifically in, in Preview 1, it was mobile for Android and iOS. So, yeah, I mean, we're on the latest and greatest. That means that we're also using SDK-style projects, which is a new thing if you come from the Xamarin uh, history that, that you know, we all share. Um, so SDK-style is new. Target Frameworks is new. Um, and all of that was in Preview 1. Hmm. Um, and then .NET MAUI really starts to take flight in Preview 2. Very cool. Now, maybe some people don't know what .NET MAUI is. They're new to it. Can you give the elevator pitch here? Absolutely. Uh, it's right there in the name, which is great. Although uh, if you keep saying Maui over and over again, it kind of loses that, but it's the multi-platform app UI. Um, so this is the ability for you to describe your app once, um, and it runs natively across Android, iOS, Windows, and Mac OS, all using the latest UI kits and uh, tools that each of those native platforms provides. Uh, so that you you have really access to anything that you would need to have access to, and you can customize per platform, or you can go for that really nice, consistent look and feel across platforms. Very cool, very cool. So, what's new in Preview Two, or what's happening in the ethos of March twenty twenty one? Yeah, so so Preview Two, like I said, is where where .NET Maui really starts to take off. Um, so we have the first bits. Um, and we're shipping them as NuGet packages right now, but later on they'll they'll get worked into the .NET installer. Um, and so this is the first set of controls that have been ported from Xamarin Forms into the .NET MAUI architecture. 
Um, and there's some key things that are happening in that architecture. There's uh, performance improvements. There's decoupling from the MVVMness and the XAMLness of the framework, um, which all that stuff is still there, which is awesome. You can still use it, um, but it all it gives us a lot more flexibility uh, to extend controls and customize them as we need to. So, in preview. Two, you get your first set of controls that have this new uh, architecture, uh, buttons, labels, entries, sliders, switches. Uh, and yeah, I think that's what we have in the first one. So it, they're all kind of in partial uh, states of completeness in terms of what properties are available. Um, can you do everything that you could do with a font and that sort of thing? So um, it's not necessarily uh, the most exciting from the end developer standpoint, but it's it's the starting point, right? It's we're in the starting blocks in terms of those controls. But the great news is um, is that we also have what we call compatibility shims. So uh, when you basically scaffold out and create the the beginning of your application in .NET Maui, you can say, "Hey, I want to I want to register for compatibility," um, and then when you've done that you get access to all the Xamarin Forms controls and layouts that you perhaps have been using for seven years. Um, and so now those are also available to you. And you can migrate to the .NET MAUI controls themselves as you need to. Um, so if there's a particular behavior or a control that's just not there yet, you have that through the compatibility uh, layer. And it's a real simple registration call. Um, which kind of builds on one or the other. I mean, there's there's several exciting things that are already here in Preview 2. Um, there's multi-targeted application projects. So the single project that uh, we tend to call it that, where you can just have all of your Android, iOS, macOS stuff all in one project. Um, and you don't need to have multiple projects within your solution. It's much easier to build. You can multi-target all of your code using .NET multi-targeting. Um, all of that stuff is there. Shared fonts and shared images are there. Um, and that's exciting for multi-platform developers because no longer do you need to stitch all that stuff up together yourself in the different platform ways that they do that. Um, you get one place to do it. Um, and, you know, I was, uh, I was you know, testing and, and, and uh, dog fooding, I guess, um, this past week. And I noticed Matthew Leibowitz showed me that you can actually throw wildcards into the shared image and shared fonts. So if you just drop all your fonts into a single folder, you can very easily just wildcard that whole folder and it will wire up for you all those fonts, which... Uh, you know, if you only have one font, maybe not so cool, but if you're like me, you know, you got three, four fonts, uh, you've got icons in those fonts. So that gets very exciting. Um, and you bring all this stuff together with the new, um, host builder, which is, um, from the Microsoft extensions library, or I guess set of libraries, um, where you can essentially, uh, initialize in a, in a simple fluent syntax, the services, the view models, the uh, pages, as well as any of your other dependencies. Uh, and you can also register your fonts with, with the aliases. So you don't have to remember the name of that font. You can just call it Bob if you want. Um, and you can just use Bob everywhere in your application. Um, similarly with images, you can register your images there. Um, and 
you know, we haven't really talked about this much, but we're really excited about how this host builder pattern is going to work out for the third party community. Um, because as it stands in Xamarin and Xamarin Forms today, each library could implement its own way of initializing and all the different parameters that you may or may not need to pass in can be very confusing. Um, and with this pattern of the host builder, we have a singular place to point everyone and say, whatever you need to register can just all happen here. And really best practices, let the library do all that stuff by itself. And you as the end user developer should never have to initialize those libraries um, unless there's some specific configuration you want. So that's in preview two. Um, you can uh, kind of see some code snippets of that if you go up and look at the sample app. Um, we've got both the Net6 mobile samples repository as well as the samples that are inside the .NET MAUI repo. Um, so you can go look for the uh, app host builder, create builder method, um, and get a sense for what that's all about. Uh, iWindow is in there, which is going to become important later for when we enable multi-window for desktop. Mm -hmm. um, but it's already there, so we kind of have to have some of these foundational pieces. And let's see, I'm skimming through my notes. Um, there are some SDK foundational pieces that have been enabled, um, such as the remote iOS simulator for those Windows developers that like to use that, um, which if you're unfamiliar, essentially when you connect a Mac build host to your Windows uh, Visual Studio, um, it will not only build on the Mac host, but it will uh, basically proxy in your iOS simulator and you can just use it right there. Of course, many of us love using Hot Restart, which is the ability with Visual Studio on Windows to go directly to an iOS device, no Mac build host required. Um, that work is coming along. Uh, it's not, uh, I, I don't think it's quite there yet in preview two, but it'll be coming uh, in a future preview. Um, AOT, uh, ahead of time compilation is important, especially in the iOS space, the Apple space. So that is now there in preview two, so you can run on physical iOS hardware. Um, and then on the Android side of things, we now have Android X libraries built and running for .NET 6. Um, and those are the default for everything that you will do with Android and .NET 6. So, um, I think I've probably left out and skimmed past the most exciting thing in preview two. Does anybody want to take a guess? Um, oh, I've been seeing some things about Mac support in here. Exactly. So we have our first introduction of Mac Catalyst, which is the ability to take a UI kit based iOS app um, and run it on desktop. So this is what we've seen Apple doing, and they're kind of leading and showing us by example what desktop development looks like for Mac in the future. And so we are enabling that in .NET MAUI for taking your apps to the Mac. So we now have Mac OS support by virtue of Mac Catalyst. It's all built and running on .NET 6, currently using the mono runtime, although we are exploring the viability of using core CLR, which mm -hmm. is a uh, more common when it comes to desktop scenarios um, than it is on, on mobile, of course. Mobile uses the mono runtime. So really excited to see the first bits of .NET MAUI running as a desktop app on the Mac. And uh, in, in the future, we'll start lighting those things up as well on the Windows side. But for now, Android iOS, Mac OS with Mac Catalyst is there in preview too. Um, excited to see what everybody thinks of it. I would say, uh, you know, just setting expectations that this is still a very early release. Things are rapidly changing. 
Um, we're about to start implementing things like lifecycle events and um, some of the more fundamentals for drawing and shapes and corner radiuses and on and on and on. So keep keep tuned in to these, these updates because the information will continue to evolve and change very rapidly. Yeah, so it's kind of like this is if you're looking to dip your toes, do some experimenting, just want to check out the hot bits uh, you can grab this stuff and and kind of see where the platform is going. Give some input. And you can go to github.com slash dot net slash Maui. And that's where all the work's being done. Right, David? Absolutely. And uh, we've also opened up for taking contributions. So mm-hmm. I would be remiss if I didn't mention that. And we actually already have a handful of contributions from the community. Um, Almir and Pedro and uh, several others have already sent in pull requests for what we call uh, a handler implementations for different properties. So essentially we're asking for one PR per handler property that you implement across Android and iOS, um, which will cover those three platforms because that iOS handler is reused for Mac. Um, So if you're interested, the PRs are pretty straightforward. We have a guide up on the wiki and uh, get started. They're, they're, They're bite sized. They're so easy to do, which is actually one of the things that I've been very excited about from the very beginning with when it comes to the .NET MAUI architecture. You can be a contributor with minimal code, very straightforward, uh, not intimidating at all. So definitely invite people to check that out. Very cool. Very cool. Well, thank you for the update. And I am I'm going to go download some bits and get started. I'm, I'm really excited to see the host builder stuff. You know, I've been a big advocate of that for many years now, and I'm really excited to see a lot of the core.net um, experiences and development environments have uh, similar paradigms, which I think is very exciting as a, as a .NET developer and C-sharp developer for many moons, you know, jumping between a Blazor app and a Maui app and, uh, you know, an ASP.NET Core web API, they're all going to be sort of similar in this, in this realm. And I love that, you know, it's being architected sort of from the ground up in many ways for what modern app development is like. So for example, you know, iWindow, you're talking about windowing that, that seems like a, a small thing, but in fact, like that's a very large, um, undertaking to think about mm-hmm. because, you know, Xamarin forms didn't have the concept of that at all. It was just like, here's your app and that whatever it is. And in fact, like scene delegates and things like that on iOS didn't even exist for until t- like two years ago. So, yep. 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 So there's lots of modernization happening and, um, you know, even stuff like the simple shared font, shared image wildcarding that I was mentioning earlier. I know from, from decades of writing apps that can be super useful. And it's, uh, there's a lot of fundamental things happening in .NET Maui that you just, you just can't underestimate. And I think once everybody experiences it, uh, it's going to blow some minds. So I'm, I'm super excited about it. Well, we're excited to have you on as a recurring guest and definitely tune back in next month as David comes back yet again. But David, thank you for your time. We're going to get on to even more awesome news. So go pick up your kids and thanks for being with us for the awesome Don and Maui update. See ya. Oh my goodness, Matt. Wasn't that amazing? Who doesn't need more David in their lives? It's true. I'm really glad that you decided to try to bring him on and get him on here because, you know, we can speak to the amazing news that's coming out, but it's great to hear it from the source. Mm-hmm. Especially when we, there is a big change coming and just to have, I guess, the reassurance that David comes on and shows us what's happening month by month. And as 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 the picture clears, and it's going to be a big change, but everybody's going to be able to handle it. And David's just going to 
reassure us. He's going to be, he's going to be the person that says, it's going to be all right. Here's what's happening. We got this. And I think he'll be able to give us the green light when it's like, okay, now it's go time for everybody to hop on board, right? When the updates are there and things like that. I, I just on my YouTube, my personal YouTube, I put a video that was like, should I wait for .dot Maui or should I start Xamarin development today? And the answer is you should just start Xamarin development today because there's so much amazing tooling like Xamarin Forms 5 that we've talked about and all of the, the knowledge, the tooling, everything that you've learned through the years or are about to learn will go into .dot Maui. So it's a great time to start development because there's so much that'll go into it. And Mm -hmm. there's amazing tooling and we got awesome updates for both Visual Studio and Visual Studio for Mac. So let's just hop right into that because, man, Visual Studio keeps on cooking. And VS 2019 version 16.9 was just released on Windows and 8.9 on Mac. I'm going to bust through the Windows one. And there was tons of improvements, definitely around just normal .NET development, um, .NET productivity with refactorings, all sorts of good things in the C-sharp editor um, just tons of refactorings. There were some new things with .NET Core debugging with WSL2. So if you're doing some microservice development or some other things there, that's really cool. For Xamarin developers, what's really exciting is that the apply changes or changes only for XAML Hot Reload is now GA. So this is on by default. Um, it's for Xamarin Forms 5.0 Plus, which by the way, all of the templates have been updated for file new, which is rad. And this is the setting that enables, for all intents, I would say previously it would refresh the page, the whole page and your contacts and everything. This is sort of a DOM diff, if you will. So if you're changing just a property on a label, it will just update just that property on the label and not the whole page. It'll just refresh the element. So it's very stateful, which is nice, Mm -hmm. um, which I think is delightful. And I will say the default under tools options If you just search for hot reload or hot, I would say it's the only one under hot. It's all combined into one because it's the same tooling for WPF, UWP, and Xamarin forms. And the one that I like to check is apply XAML hot reload on document save. That's off by default because it's as you type, it'll validate like if it's accurate. I'm a, I'm a, I like to save. So they added that you can only have it refresh the, all the differences when you hit save. And that's my, that's my big thing. I'm a big fan of that. Yeah, I would be too. I mean, that's when I'm actually looking. I mean, I'm hunting and pecking to begin with. So. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the other big thing that I'm a huge, 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 huge fan of is, I don't know if this is on Mac. I was asking Dimitri if it's on VS for Mac, but I know it's on Windows at least. There is brand new automatic view model property and command creation. Okay, so like light bulb support. So for example, if you just do X data type and you give it the data type that it should be looking for, it will give you little dot, dot, dots under text equals binding to whatever or binding equals to this command. And you can click on it and say, add this to my view model. And it will automatically create the property for you. It will automatically create the command for you automatically generating code, which is super rad to have just built into the core platform on all of the different platforms. So it's all just there for you. And, um, that's a super nice one besides obviously, you know, the amazing, you know, changes only. And then obviously all the Xamarin forms five updates and all the, you know, refactoring support. There's so much good stuff in here, Matt, that they did an entire live stream one hour long 
talking about all the brand new features. And we'll put a link to that in the show notes um, on the brand new Visual Studio Toolbox live um, stream, which was really, really cool. Yeah, definitely check that out. And I'm so pumped up to check out the, you know, all the new XAML improvements, especially the, you know, generate your own properties, generate the own commands without mm-hmm. actually having to do the typing. Come on. So yeah. nice. <laughs> Love it. So nice. Yeah. So what's new in VS Mac 2019, 8.9? We, we have to do better in that naming, James, but <laughs> that's for another conversation. Is some of the new stuff that I, I'm really excited about, of course, is that it has now .NET 6 preview support, which is all awesome. And along with that, we do have the uh, XAML Hot Reload GA, um, just, just as we were talking about with the uh, Visual Studio 2019 for Windows, the VS for Mac comes along with that um, Xamarin Forms 5 by default. All that other good stuff is right in there. But a couple other good um, developer enhancement tooling to make your life easier is that now if you want to do some quick actions for refactoring, kind of like the light bulb support that you were talking about, like you want to do some renaming, you can actually see the changes first before they happen. So um, like preview of your quick actions refactoring. So that's pretty cool. And uh, the quick actions also... um, display like the compiler warning ID numbers. So if you're like me and you get a ton of compiler warnings and you want to suppress them all, you can get what the warning are. So you can do the, uh, do the, uh, do the uh, preprocessor directives to suppress all those warnings. How do you like that, James? Very cool. Yeah. I like that a lot. <laughs> I like that. They can just get rid of all those warnings. They ignore yep. all of these warnings, but I think they, they even added like a link to documentation and stuff like yes. that. That's pretty yes, cool. they did. Yep. Yep. All, all right off of that, uh, quick action or that little pop-up that, that comes up. And, uh, they also have now IntelliSense for a preprocessor directives. So you do the preprocessor always starts with the, uh, hashtag. So hashtag, and all of a sudden you'll get your preprocessor directives come up in IntelliSense. And so that always helps because, um, you don't write preprocessors all the time, and it's always nice to have them up there, so it helps refresh your memory. So, and guess what? VS Mac runs on a Mac, and you know what's changed with Macs recently? Processors. What? Oh, processors. Yeah, not preprocessors, yeah. but the actual processors. The actual thing. And so, um, it's not M1 supported quite yet. It's not like rewritten to run on the new ARM architecture, but. Rosetta, which is the translator between them, it's running great on that. And so there's that support there and everything is looking double thumbs up. So cool, right? VS Mac chugging right along just like Visual Studio on Windows is. Yeah, I love it. And a lot of these features are shared. So the ones that we're talking about, like, you know, Live Visual Tree and the XAML Hot Reload, those are all there. And I actually really enjoy the breakdown of how the entire thing is architected. So they have a good diagram on here, which is like, here's how things are shared. So there's all of these services and Roslyn and VS editor features like IntelliSense that are shared between the two. So these blog posts get closer and closer together as far as the features that are being released based on the workloads that are there. So it's really cool to see. And I'm thinking, I'm pretty sure that there's going to be a Visual Studio for Mac 8.9 live stream as well. I think John Galloway is working on doing something with that, but that'll be really cool. But definitely check out all the videos and the blog posts because there is a lot happening and there's more happening besides just Visual Studio releases because the Xamarin Community Toolkit that we did an entire episode on basically is definitely chugging along Um, and there are tons of new enhancements and new um, features and new controls that are being added nonstop. And this is really cool because Gerald's um, started not only a video series 
on the Xamarin Developers YouTube and on Channel 9, but also been documenting it with awesome blogs. So there's great documentation and sample apps, but he breaks down the use cases and like when you would use it, how to lazy load and all sorts of crazy things with different things built into the Xamarin Community Toolkit. And the very first blog post in the series was the tabbed um, tab view, which is cool. Obviously, Xamarin Forms has a tabbed page, but you can put a tab view anywhere. I actually use this in um, an app that I'm cloning. I'm clon- cloning the Peloton application. And this thing is super cool. You can put tabs anywhere you want at the top and the bottom. You can put circle tabs. You can do images for tabs. You can do everything. Um, so it's a great breakdown blog post. And if you haven't checked out the community toolkit yet, you really need to because it is an essential kit in the toolkit. Yeah, that the whole tab view that that they did is amazing. And the first thing I was thinking about was what about lazy loading? You don't want all your views to load up right away. Like, can it do it? And Jerry Wilson tells us how to do it. They have a whole view to lazy load other views in there in the community toolkit. It's amazing. Mm, yeah. Amazing. And uh, another amazing thing is that the collection view, right, James? You know the collection view? And Big it fan. has, we have a fan. Oh, it totally, do you even remember the list view? collection view totally totally replaced <laughs> well i totally so, i did i did a i did an entire video because i've been i've been i've been trying to answer questions and kind of do ad hoc videos on my youtube like kind of do official things on the xamarin developers youtube and like me ad hocking like just being james over there and someone kept asking me like hey like when do i use list view or collection view like when are the when when and what so i did a, a collection view versus list view showdown and um comparison and for for all intents and purposes, the collection view is the winner unless for some reason you really just want to use the list. I mean, the list view is there. It's just, it's tried and true. It's forever. But the collection view is just has some niceties to it. I would say the list view is like, if you're really just displaying a single list of data and that's literally it, then the list view is probably fine. But once you get into more advanced interactions and you get into grouping and you get into headers, the collection view and performance is where it's at. Mm-hmm. Well, I love that. That the only time you would use a list view is if you're being stubborn and you really still want to use it. That sounds totally like something I would do. So, <laughs> list view forever. Anyways, no collection view will make you forget all about the list view. So, anyways, we have the drag and drop gesture recognizers now, where you can kind of put your finger on a element, drag it around, and uh, drop it right. We have those gesture recognizers. So our good friend, Alexi Strock, who actually co-hosted one of the customer showcase podcasts a little while ago, um, mm. wrote a blog post on how to do this. And these are one of my favorite types of blog posts where we actually go through and we solve a problem. And it, I kind of think of them as like an engineering post where you, you start from A and he shows you how to get to B and C. A lot of stuff like you do on your uh, videos, James. And so we talk about here, dragging and dropping items within a collection that backs up a collection view. And so what really is cool here is that we have a view model, obviously, which is hosting the um, the page itself, you know, kind of backs up your view. And each little item on the collection view itself is its own little view model too. So that's a, that's a question that I've been uh, fielded a lot before is can you have view models do that or a view model within a view model? And it actually kind of goes through and shows that as well. Um, it's kind of just like this, ancillary doesn't actually go out and necessarily show view models within view models but 
you see it work too. So it's actually two for one. But anyways, the main point of the uh, blog post is to show how to drag and drop items around a collection view. So yeah, pretty cool. Should check it out. Very cool. Very very cool. Yeah, I love that. It shows the capabilities of bringing those things all together. Um, and talking about bringing stuff together, um, you know, just because we've been talking about building UIs and and customizing your application with awesome toolkits, there's also an entire other side of .NET, which is the web. And probably for mobile applications, you need a web backend, and you're probably going to build in a web API for your REST services with ASP.NET Core. And John Galloway put an awesome blog about getting started and basically learning how to build HTTP APIs with .NET. This is really cool because um, there's been a tons of updates in the last month or so to all of the kind of getting started material and documentation. Um, there's some Microsoft Learn modules on how to, you know, what are REST APIs, how to create your first web API. Um, and there's a brand new web series, beginning beginner series to web APIs from Cecil Phillip. And additionally, Cecil and Jamie did a new event that's a new monthly series. It's called letslearn.net. And last month was web API, kind of in this kind of series of things. And it was a two-hour live stream walking through tutorials, um, taking Q&A live. It was super fun to be part of. And um, that's available on demand in this blog post. And uh, upcoming is microservices. So that'd be kind of fun kind of adding on to it. Actually, it's the next sort of step in the process. Um, but I did an awesome video with Brady Gaster about web API for Xamarin developers. So if you're looking to be like, what, what's available? How do I use this? Or like, hey, I have, you know, all this, you know, awesome, you know, C-sharp.net experience. I need to get into API development. You can kind of see where your knowledge goes back and forth, which is really cool. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a whole month's worth of content that uh, John kind of sums up and links out to, and it was a it was a big effort to put all this together, and um, it it comes together very well. So yeah, it's definitely worth a check out. Anything you wanted to know about API development with ASP.NET Core, I bet you will be able to find out through all that content. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, there's the Xamarin updates for the month. How about we get into the cloud news real quick, Matt? Absolutely. Well, we have all the new .NETs coming out, .NET 6, .NET 5, everything, everywhere. Well, Azure Functions now supports .NET 5 in production. Super cool, right? Go update everything. But there is a couple of new things that um, we want you to know about. Is First off, which is super nice, is that you don't have to include the Microsoft.Azure.WebJobs package everywhere anymore. You don't need that. Instead, what you just need to include um, the NuGet package for exactly which the, the um, service that you want to inter integrate with. So like if you're trying to integrate with Cosmos, just bring in that um, web jobs package. So you don't need the base package anymore is what I'm trying to get at. It's all kind of built in. And the other big change um, that you'll notice when you're developing with them is that the output bindings work a little bit differently. And the, I'll put a link in here where um, they go over and explain this, but this is actually super cool, James. If output binding is, um, let's say you are writing to a storage queue, right? And then you just do like return like the string and it gets the string actually gets written into Azure storage. But what happens if you want to write to two different things? What happens if you want to write to Azure storage and send an HTTP response back? How do you do that? Uh, well, now you would, <laughs> what I you can do now is like create a custom object. 
we'll have like James special object. And then there you'll have two properties. And within those properties, one you decorate with uh, attribute and you say this attribute is going to be written to storage. And this attribute is going to be written back to the uh, HTTP response. And you populate both those and you just return that object. And then the function runtime takes care of like populating the address storage and or the address storage queue. And the other one sends it back over the web. So that's pretty cool, right? You has like this multiple output binding type. Oh, deal. that that's cool. Yeah, I also really like the multiple NuGet packages because there is actually finally a specific storage binding because there was one, then it got combined with the Cosmos DB one. It was a little confusing. Now it's its own again, and I have, um, I have a bunch of Azure functions running on .NET Core two point whatever two dot two. Um, which was when they were separate. So now I'm thinking I could definitely upgrade to Don F5, no problems, or I hope at least just toggle a few things and get some real perf advantages here, which would be nice. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, another one that's kind of cloud newsy, but it actually applies to everything, is that we have this Learn Live going on now on a Learn TV. And what it is, is that you can tune in, and it's, it'll remind a lot of um, our listeners who remember Xamarin U of Xamarin University, kind of, in that you walk through a Microsoft Learn module with essentially an instructor going through it kind of step by step. And so a Learn module, um, if you don't know, is one of our free learning uh, courses that we have up there. And you can kind of go through there's there's learn modules all over the place covering all sorts of topics. And it's um, where you learn from essentially A, B, and C of how to do something. And it's like step-by-step. So we have Learn Live where you actually have an instructor, somebody, a subject matter expert, help you walk through these. And you can ask them questions as you go. So Learn Live, we'll put a link into there. And there's a lot of Xamarin or (laughs) Azure content um, coming up there. There's one per week and they're also all recorded. So you can watch them later too, if you can't catch them live. And then this finally, James, um, this is kind of a little bit off the wall, but it is using Azure AI is, do you know that you can, uh, make Cheetos with Azure AI or that they're actually Pepsi company is actually going to be making Cheetos with uh, Microsoft Azure AI. Ooh. It'd be super cheesy, super Cheese. cheesy, super and cheesy. I, I learned a story behind this. This is actually kind of cool. Is that in order to make a Cheeto, you have like this corn meal kind of Play-Doh type thing. And you stick it through this, um, like this, like how you used to stick Play-Doh through like a little like thing and you make like make a spaghetti um, mixture out of it, you know, like it's like a compressor kind of. So that's what you do with Cheetos too. You stick it through this machine. It compresses it down so much that it actually heats the Cheeto up. It's actually baking it because it gets so compressed. And then when it comes out the other side, it kind of pops open and you have a Cheeto, right? But there's a whole bunch of other variables that go into it, like how much moisture is outside, the ambient temperature, all that other stuff. And then you have to have really somebody watching it and who knows what's going on. It has to be very uh, steeped in all this stuff to make sure they can adjust everything just right. AI, though, can help out with that. You know, you have all these various inputs going in. Well, Artificial intelligence can kind of figure that out so you can get the perfect Cheeto every time. Huh. Isn't that amazing? I know. Exactly. (laughs) The perfect, the perfect Cheeto. Exactly. (laughs) Flaming hot. Oh, my goodness. Yep. So 
Which brings us to the Azure service of the month, which is Azure Cheeto service. No, no, it's... <laughs> Now, this is Azure Communication Services, and we haven't talked about this one yet. It's still in public preview, so it's not you know out there perfect, but you should try it out. Um, it's um, essentially you can add like real-time chat or tele- telephony or um, SMS, text messaging to your apps, and it's really cool. I uh, Here's the thing. I haven't used it yet in any of the apps yet, but here's what I'm thinking is what we can use it for is like a can I help you bot. You know how mm-hmm. like if you go to a website or an app and you have like this little bot says, hey, can I help you? You know, what are like your Peloton app? You know, it's like, hey, my name is James. Do you want to race today? And somebody types in yes. And, you you know, and all of a sudden it pings you live. James like, hey, you have to get on and race, race them. <laughs> you can have <laughs> a bot cool. like that you know, mm-hmm. and in your app. And now Azure Communication Services could uh, facilitate that. So it's uh, yeah, pretty cool. It's in a uh, public preview. And um, yeah, it has a lot of. A lot of use cases that you can think of if you start daydreaming about it. So Nice. I like that. I definitely need to check it out. I heard about it. I think it was at Bill or Ignite last year. So I'm definitely excited to dive into that one as well. That's going to give us to our, that's going to get us to our pick of the pod. Um, and my pick, Matt, is something called Fast. Have you ever heard of Fast? Oh, I, I heard of Fast.com. I've heard of fast the word no but yeah tell me about this this is fast.design this is from microsoft a little small startup in in, uh, redmond washington called microsoft and this is really cool this is not for mobile development at all but it's for web development and maybe even blazer development so if you're in the blazer asp.net world this is a adaptive interface system for modern web experiences i read it off the thing it is a UI toolkit for the web when you're developing with ASP.NET Core and Blazor. So, you know, by default, Blazor has Bootstrap in there, but it, you know, it, it's just Bootstrap. It's just CSS. It's not actually like controls and tools and stuff. And this has all of the components for Blazor and ASP.NET in it. So you can get in there and you can start scripting and building interactions with C-sharp if you're doing Blazor instead of with JavaScript. So it has all those nice things. has light mode, dark mode support, has all sorts of controls like radio buttons, toggles, checkboxes, and it has built-in support for all of your colors and accent colors, anything that you want. And if you like the fast look and feel, you can use it or you can just toggle to the Fluent Design system. So you can just say, I want to use Fluent Design from Microsoft. Let me just use that. And you just toggle it on and boom, you're good to go. So instead of adding a button, you add a fast button or a Fluent button and boom, you're good to go. It's super extensible. You can create your own design systems. But I just ran across this randomly. I was in some team's meeting. I wasn't even in it, but I like the chat pops up, you know? Mm-hmm. And someone put this in. I was like, holy cram, this is awesome. And I realized that on a community standup a while ago, John had one of the members from the team on here. And I just thought this was so cool because there's amazing just cards and checkboxes and data grids and dividers and flippers. And this has been my struggle with web development was that there's not like a just predefined beautiful toolkit when I'm building my Blazor applications. And I'm like, you know what? I want something that I can just get stuff going. Like, give me a dropdown, give me a progress bar, give me these things that I can interact in C sharp with blazer. And this 
tickled my fancy. And um, I think it's cool. There's all sorts of good stuff. So definitely give it a look. Yeah, it's totally amazing. When I first looked at it, I thought, well, this is material design for Blazer, mm-hmm. which, you know, it kind of looks like. But yeah. yeah, totally cool. Yeah, and there is actually, there's a material design for Blazer called Mud Blazer um, as well. There's a whole one out there. But this one I thought was cool because it is extensible. So it's like, oh, if you just want to toggle on fluent design, boom, you're good to go. And it just has all the blazery stuff for you. So I thought it looked pretty cool. Yeah, super. It's It looks good. And that's half the challenge for folks like me who is, I don't make anything that looks good. It's just yeah, ugly, everything I do. Yeah, just give me some default good looking stuff. So Yep. That's what you cool. need. What you got for me? All right. So what I have is, uh, I'm not going to sell it like you just sold yours, but it's called Hello World, right? And it's Hello. totally self-serving here, is that every Friday I host a uh, live, what we're calling it is like a morning show. It's like Good Morning America, but on Learn TV. And so what this is, it's like a half hour variety hour. I host it with Donna Sarkar and we have like people, regular guests come in and we just do like a, a talk show with them. It's like what we're doing, James, except wide open. You can talk about anything. And yeah, kind of cool. I'll put the link in there and how you can check it out. And actually, it goes on every day of the week. It's at 10 a.m. Pacific time and actually 1030 a.m. Pacific time. And um, yeah, every every day of the week is a little bit something different, different hosts, different topics. Um, Donna and I do Fridays and we close out the week on a high note and yeah, you should check it out. Uh, we talk about actually the Cheeto story did come from Hello World. And we also have like an inspirational story right at the end uh, with Diego Reitman. Um, we talk about MVPs with uh, with Betsy Weber. It's it's really cool. So nice. Yeah, we'll check it out. Looking for more developer goodness every single day. They got you covered. Very cool. I'll dive through some of these videos. It's cool to have something if you just want to tune in every morning, get a daily dose. That's impressive. So there you it's go. a lot of fun. Yeah. All right. Well, I want to thank everyone for tuning in and our special guest, David Ornow, and he'll be back next month for even more .NET MAUI updates. So until next time, this has been your Xamarin Podcast. Go to XamarinPodcast.com for all the goodies and all the links in the show notes that we've been talking about today. And thanks for listening. 